and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Since 2012, I have been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. So please post your questions for our guests. You can post comments. Please you know, tell us where you're from, or even you could type, be strong, be well, and be green. Just has voice. Let's welcome back our guest. Dr. Christina Miller is double board certified in emergency and integrative medicine. Dr. Miller focuses exclusively on nutrition and lifestyle changes to get to the root cause of disease and illness while promoting wellness and longevity in each individual. She is now proud to be part of the plantbasedtelehealth.com team offering plant-based telemedicine services to patients across the country. Be Green with Amy welcomes Dr. Christina Miller. Greetings, Dr. Miller. Welcome back. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Oh, we had such a wonderful response the last time you were on. And if anybody who's watching or listening hasn't heard that, we'll put a link to the previous show so that you can watch that as well. And Dr. Miller just has so much information for us. And I'm glad all of you are tuned in to listen and or watch. Today we're going to be talking about autoimmune and inflammation. There's a lot of things going on and it seems that more and more people are diagnosed with autoimmune disease than ever before. And I think that there are even more autoimmune diseases that are coming out that were never in the medical literature before. So it's just changing times and we need to keep up with these things and learn about how to prevent and also treat. So Dr. Miller, did you want to just give a quick summary of how you face this and then how you are helping some of your patients in your practice? I know that you told us the story in our last interview, but just in case somebody missed that one. Absolutely. So I was trained in emergency emergency medicine and I was working in the ER and I started getting swelling in one of my fingers and um, I had no idea why the whole finger swelled up and it hurt to bend it and then it went away so I ignored it like any good little doctor would do and then it came to another finger on my other hand and then it started to spread to all my fingers and within two weeks I couldn't bend my fingers and I continued to work at this time and I finally made a doctor's appointment and all my antibodies came back positive for lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune diseases, and um, like a whole spectrum of them came back positive. And I never knew this. I was in my mid thirties and newly married and um, you know doing well in my career in emergency medicine. And I had no idea that this was coming. And so um, then I was put on, I was initially put on three medications, including steroids and those failed. So within, three to four months later, I was having some more significant pains, more joints, and I was put on another medication, methotrexate, and I had to, I tried it orally and it didn't work, and then I had to do shots of it, and I was really upset every time I had to do a shot of it, it, it really upset me that I was now a sick person, and I didn't feel well, and I had a lot of fatigue and a lot of depression with this, and I was still working in the ER, and give myself my shot, and put on my scrubs, and go take care of patients, but working night shifts and late hours, and you know the stress of the ER would flare my lupus, so I kept having worse and worse symptoms and it, I just had so much joint pain. I was still on a standard American diet at this time and I started having chest pains. It hurt when I was breathing. So pleurisy, inflammation around the lung or pericarditis, inflammation around my heart. I was feeling those symptoms and which is very common in autoimmune and especially lupus people. And um, I just felt horrible. And so my my doctors were concerned how fast it was worsening and, and was talking about starting experimental drugs. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. I was I gained weight from all the steroids and I was on another um, anti-cancer, um, so chemosuppressive medication, big guns. And I was terrified working in the ER because I was immunosuppressed. And so I was really depressed at this point. It was horrible. And that's when I started. This is um, 11 years ago now, and nobody had told me about plant-based diets. Nobody said it was how I was living or what I was eating. Like this is before all this explosion on the internet. And thank God there is this explosion on the internet now. Uh, so I started Googling just what could I do to help myself feel better. And 
thankfully I came up with the plant-based diet and lifestyle and I learned about it um, from people like Dr. Joe Furman and um, Dr. McDougall and I jumped right in and never looked back. Oh my goodness. I just, I can only imagine what, here you are a physician and you were formally trained in healing people. And now, even though you had all this training and you're healing lots of people in the emergency room who are coming in with acute circumstances, car accidents and so forth, and you're helping them, but yet you didn't have any tools to help yourself until you had to do your own research. I'm glad that you did that research and I'm glad that you're here today to share it with everyone. With autoimmune disease, there's a lot of different symptoms that people can get and that could probably be confusing for people and probably even for you because you had some symptoms and you kind of ignored them because you thought it could have been something else and it didn't even go on your radar that it could be that. But I guess, I think we all probably go through a little denial too when, when something is happening to us that we don't want to happen. It's probably pretty important for someone if they're feeling something that's not right to have a, a physician take a look at that. What do you think? Absolutely, Amy. So as a physician, I was all about being strong and being tough and taking care of other people, right? I didn't really spend time on myself. Self-care was not something I was trained in. And I didn't want to worry about self-care. I wanted to be this tough, good doctor and take care of my patients. And so um, that's lesson number one. I actually give talks to emergency medicine physicians all across the country about the importance of taking care of ourselves so we can take care of our patients now. But the lesson that I learned that a lot of my patients actually know this, they come to see me and they already know this, but I didn't, but listen to your body. So if you're starting to feel fatigue, if you're starting to lose hair, if you're starting to gain weight and you're not sure why, or you're losing weight and you're not sure why, or something is going on different, if you start to get weird joint pains or fatigue is a big one now, a lot of people just start to feel fatigue and we push through it. We drink more coffee. We think we're not sleeping well and we push through it. And it's our body's way of telling us it's screaming to us. It's the only way it has to communicate with us that something is wrong. And so we feel this pain. So we should really be grateful. I should have been saying, thank you body for telling me that I need to slow down. I need to change my diet. I need to calm my stress down. I need to sleep more. I need to take care of myself. And this was my body way of telling me that it's just like a car when it starts clunking it's telling you it's time to take it in it's time to do some maintenance take care of it let it heal and get better and and fix it up and so um, I hope if anybody's feeling these symptoms you number one are focusing more on self-care like maybe are you tired because you really aren't sleeping you just had you have two babies at home and and you're drinking a ton of coffee and you're trying to work full time and you don't have time and even if that's the case we have to start making adjustments before our bodies break down. And so it's been an important lesson for me. Yeah, it really seems that although a lot of people are tuning in today are talking about the plant-based lifestyle because we have learned that it really does help to prevent and reverse many diseases. But the self-care aspect is something that we don't hear too much about. It's almost like if you're taking a nap because you happen to be reading or something and or looking on your smartphone and maybe you fell asleep in the chair, or if you were sleeping on the weekend and maybe you were able to sleep a little late and somebody called you and alerted you, the first thing that m- so many people do is they try to step themselves out of the sleepy state and they try to clear their throat, sound alert, and then answer the phone. And then they, of course, they don't sound alert. And the person on the uh, that's calling will say, oh, did I wake you? And inevitably, the person will say, oh, no, 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 you didn't wake me. And it's almost like we're ashamed that we're resting, even though this is what our body is telling us to do. And the grizzly bears know to hibernate, and they're not ashamed. And they go when it's time when their body tells them it's time to hibernate. But yet, we're just so trained that that it's almost a sort of weakness to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's so true. That is such a good point, Amy, that we don't want anyone to know when we're sleeping. And so I have trained myself and now I teach my patients that it's great to go to bed early. It's great to prioritize sleep or sleep in if we need to or take a nap if we need to or rest if we're feeling the exhaustion. So um, 
Yeah, I agree. We should, we need to change the way we our dialogue about sleep where it's, wow, you were sleep, you know, sorry, I woke you, but that's awesome. You were getting some rest. Exactly. And we have our electronic devices that are battery operated. And if we see that the battery is going low, we go into this panic mode. Oh, I have to get me a charger. It's going to die. I have to plug it in right away. But yet our bodies give us these signals where <laughs> you're getting low on energy. You need to do something about that. And so often we just find that we have to just plug on. And it seems that many of the people that I have heard about who have had autoimmune diseases come into their lives, many of them have not just said that maybe their diet wasn't right, but that they were just running on empty and that they were pushing through things and not getting enough rest and were sleepy and trying to self-medicate with the energy drinks and the caffeine. Mm -hmm. When I talk about autoimmune diseases, uh, I talk about triggers being food. Food is probably the biggest trigger, truthfully, because we're eating it three times a day for meals and more for snacks, however many times we're eating. And so that's a major trigger of our inflammation. But triggers are also our thoughts. So if we're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm so worried about this. Oh, I don't feel well. What's going on with my body? I'm so worried. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. That is sending thoughts to the back of my brain, which is sending out over a hundred stress hormones to my whole body, as well as the sympathetic nervous system is shutting down the vagus nerve. So I'm breathing a little shallow, more shallow or shallower. Uh, my heart is beating faster. Uh, my skin is more um, constricted down. The blood vessels are constricted down to my skin and um, the stress hormones are running throughout my body and increasing blood sugar, doing all these things just because of the thoughts. And so our bodies don't know the difference if something is real or if something is in our, my brain. So if I think this is the end of the world, things are terrible. My body thinks, oh my God, this is the end of the world. Things are terrible. And it's ready to pump me and prime me for that situation. And so it's our, luckily, this is the good part of it. We have control over our thoughts. It does, sometimes it doesn't seem like we do, but we do. We can say like, hold on, time out, Chris. Whoa, this, is it really the end of the world? Is that really happening? Um, what else, what good things are happening right now? Well, the sun is shining or, um, you know, like I have a puppy sitting next to me and that's, that's a good thing. So by stopping that, those thoughts and going into thoughts of gratitude, thoughts of happiness or joy, what is it that brings you joy? Thinking things like that, taking that time out and actually taking a step back and looking at it like it was a movie um, and seeing all the stress and worry. And, you know, if you look at big picture um, if of the planet and this little tiny being that's me, like my little worries and stresses, do they really matter? Like sometimes I have to go out and look at the sky and look at the trees and the mountains and, and think, okay, the world is bigger than me and it's okay. It's okay. And it calms me down. All of these are tools that I use. And you and I were talking, Amy, that I have these, all these tools that I use to calm down. So to change the thoughts that are coming in the front of my brain to being ones of gratitude, of joy, of optimism, even if there's a tiniest bit of optimism and hope, that's enough and that will send more positive more vagal nerve um, stimulation which calms down our immune system it rests our gut it helps us repair it stimulates the immune system in a positive way to heal and um, we have control over that and it's it's crucial to healing autoimmune diseases and i'm glad you are talking about that of course there are things that are happening in people's lives that may be very terrible and that no matter what they're still terrible and if at that moment they can't do anything to change it, it's still going to make their bodies respond in a bad way. Mm -hmm. So even if you can't change what you're experiencing, you can change how your body is experiencing it and mm -hmm. then maybe keep yourself from getting other things happening to you that would not be very favorable. You said it very well. That's exactly right. So we can't change the bad things. My patients always say that, you know, like financially, we might be in a bind or we're caring for an elder parent or a sick child or getting a divorce or, you know, whatever is happening. These are major, major life factors. And I recently moved um, out of my beloved Colorado to New England and it was so hard on me. And I th kept thinking, I'm not going to let this move ruin my body. And so the trick is, the stress is happening to us like it's happening we may not be able to let go of that stress but we can control the perce our perception of it 
And so think of it, two people might see it entirely differently. If a major, let's say a major storm is about to come to the area, one person might be like, sweet, this is so exciting. I'm going to go up and climb on the roof and watch this storm. This is awesome. I can't wait for it to happen. And the other person might be like, oh my God, another storm. I hope it doesn't uproot the tree and fall in the house again like it did last time. I'm so I'm so stressed, right? So one person's excited, one person is stressed. And so it's the same storm. It didn't nothing changed there. It's the same storm. Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, but two perceptions of it. And so when I think of it that way, I start to think my perception is one of fear and worry. I'm, I tend to worry when I get sick. And those of you out there, if you have an autoimmune or a chronic illness, you know it's like an elephant. It's like something that's always on our shoulders. And even when I'm happy, I know that it's sort of there. And so that's terrible. That's what I don't want to do. And so I'm not gonna let this ruin my life and ruin my chances of being healthy and so by taking a new perspective of it and being like well it is what it is but who cares it doesn't define me it doesn't matter today's an awesome day i'm having the best time ever like why who cares about that let that go and poof i've changed the way my body's perceived the same stressor that i can't get rid of so do you think that maybe you could share in just a little bit of time maybe one of your tricks to calming the mind and changing the way that our body is responding to this stress that we're experiencing? I can. I would love to share these tricks. Um, and I'll tell you one of the reasons, um, the reason it's so important for me to talk about this is because after I went plant-based, which hopefully most of you, if you're following Be Green with Amy, you're already plant-based or you're in the process of learning about being a healthy, whole food, plant-based eater. But for me, that wasn't enough. I didn't get better. I wasn't one of those quick healing stories that I'm all better now and I'm writing my book and I'm sharing with others. And I wanted that so badly and it didn't happen that way for me. So I had to delve deeper and realize that I was so stressed out about this. And so I had to, after I tackled the food, I tackled my mindset and with my patients now I tackle both but I have three top tricks that I can share with you guys right now and one is the timeout that I just said so sometimes just taking a timeout like I can feel myself spiraling when bad things are happening I'm dropping things and get a phone call about something I didn't like and something else is happening my husband wants me to do this and whatever's going on the kids are doing this and I can feel it sort of everything is going wrong right I have all this negativeness happening and so I'm just like timeout hold on and um, so I kind of step away from the situation. So that's number one, recognizing that it's okay. I can I can take a break from this. Um, and then number two is deep breathing. So slow, deep breathing. It what it what it does is it sh it sh um, shuts off the sympathetic nervous system and stimulates the vagus nerve, um, which goes to all of your organs, including your heart, including your gut, um, all of, all of your organs inside your stomach, your pancreas, your liver, gallbladder, all of that. That's the vagus nerve, and your 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 brain and your gut are constantly in communication. And so by um, by doing the deep breathing, when you take those deep breaths. It stretches your diaphragm, um, especially when you exhale the air out, and that triggers your vagus nerve. So um, there's a couple different ways that I like to do it. Um, the simplest way that I really do like to do the most probably is um, five and five. Just like think of it like a sine wave, nice and smooth and happy. And this makes me think like I'm in a green pasture field with blue skies and pretty wildflowers and I'm breathing like this. So I'm breathing in for the count of five, two, three, four, five, and out, two, three, four, five. And it looks like this and in. So you're just breathing in and out for the count of five. If you do six rounds of that, six rounds, um, that's one minute. And in one minute, you can go from being all stressed out to having no stress. And if you even just try it um, at any time just for one minute, you will see, you'll notice, you can um, visibly feel um, the difference in your body as things are starting to calm down. And you start to think clear. You can feel yourself starting to be able to function, figure out a plan to whatever situation is going on and how you're going to navigate each thing. So um, that one takes one minute. And I do that all the time during the day. If, even if I just have some, you know, I'm seeing patients and I need at the end of the time to just ground myself. I just do those slow, deep breaths um, and take that minute to just ground myself back down. 
And then the last one that I would say is gratitude. And you hear a lot about this, but there's evidence that when you're thinking of gratitude, positive thoughts that you're appreciating right now, that you feel lucky for, um, that you you notice and acknowledge that that turns off those negative thoughts, that you can't feel the same. So you're going to be turning on positive hormones, healing hormones, and turning off those negative ones, stimulating the um, parasympathetic system. So I always will I will always try to nip it in the bud if I'm feeling stressed out by thinking of what I'm grateful for. And I practice it every night. I write down five things every night that I'm grateful for that day. And um, sometimes I write why I'm grateful for them. And I'm thinking about it all day long, what I'm grateful for, what I'm grateful for, what I'm grateful for. And so when I'm in the moment, I'm like, well, I'm grateful for this. It really does nip it in the bud. And as someone who feels a lot of worry and anxiety, um, it really has helped me instead of spiraling out of control about something, but to start just turn it around with what I'm grateful for. Um, and I have my husband helping me. So sometimes he's like, well, what are you grateful for when he sees that I'm getting really nervous about something? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. He's like, nope, you have to. What are you grateful for? And it works. By the time I tell him five things I'm grateful for, I'm I'm not feeling the stress as badly. And I'm ready to now jump into my plan. So those are my three tricks that I would say time out deep breathing and gratitude. And you can really turn it around. Well, one of the things I'm going to be writing tonight is that I was grateful that I had the opportunity to interview you and, and have you on the show and hopefully helps other people that are watching and listening. There's many different aspects of the healthy lifestyle. And one that a lot of people are tuned in to hear about, of course, is the plant-based lifestyle and, and how that can help you. Things can be a little bit tricky when you have an autoimmune disease because you might just be following a protocol that you learned about from one of the plant-based doctors or from a movie or a book or so forth. But sometimes with an autoimmune disease, you may need to tweak your lifestyle a little bit. Think that one of the things that you had talked about, and this also goes with inflammation as well, that you could possibly have food sensitivities, which... I mean, obviously, if you're embracing the plant-based lifestyle, you know that animal products are going to be detrimental and you will probably get inflammation if you consume them. But I think that people think that as long as they're on a plant-based lifestyle, that they, they've got the food down and that that's not going to affect any type of autoimmune or inflammation. So can you talk about food sensitivities? I can. I would be happy to talk about that. Um, and so the reason that the reason that part of the reason that that happens in the first place is um, there's inflammation in our bodies and our gut microbiome, um, which are those bacteria that lie in our gut, um, trillions of them, and they get out of balance. And we're supposed to have a certain amount of certain types of bacteria in our guts, and they're producing metabolites, the short chain fatty acids that help maintain the integrity of our intestinal wall. So the intestinal wall has all these little villi in it and it's only one cell layer thick, the entire intestinal wall, and it's being protected by a mucus layer and by those microbiome. And so if you, I mean, imagine one cell layer, our skin is multiple cell layers thick and it gets damaged, right? And we're eating again, three times a day, at least, if not more. And so, um, and sometimes we're eating for long days and we're not giving it time to heal and repair. And so what can happen is the microbiome gets out of balance and that happens for all sorts of reasons from we took antibiotics, we're stressed out. Stress actually changes our microbiome. Another reason to take those deep breaths. Um, and do some yoga or go out and be mindful in a field somewhere and laugh. Um, but stress changes our microbiome. Um, we may have taken ibuprofen or Aleve or um, some of these NSAIDs for a long time. Um, if we have a standard American diet and we're eating um, fatty foods, fatty foods itself, processed foods um, will damage the microbiome and um, sugar will change the microbiome um, and eating low fiber. So the microbiome actually feeds on resistant starch, um, which is a type of starch that we can't break down. It's like a fiber idea. And, um, and so the microbiome is supposed to be lying mostly in the colon, the lower part, the large intestine. And so if we eat food that has no fiber, let's say white bread, let's say pizza, right? No fiber in that. Um, and so you, it will be digested in the small intestine. And by the time it gets to large intestine, there's no more fiber. There's no resistant starch in there. And um, the microbiome are starving. 
And so what happens is now you see them um, change from the healthy balance microbiome into the um, into an imbalance, I guess I could say, and they're not producing the exact correct metabolites anymore. And now the gut lining will start to break down. They're no longer protecting it. They're no longer restoring it and regenerating and rebuilding the, the gut lining. Now the gut lining breaks down. Now you're going to get pieces of undigested food particles or those bacteria or toxins in the gut that's supposed to be kept out of the actual body are going to go across. It's called translocation. This is called leaky gut type phenomenon or intestinal hyperpermeability, where these particles are not supposed to go across as big particles or the microbiome is not supposed to go across, but it does. It goes across and there's evidence of that. We've seen it now. And so what happens is now the gut is is broken, it's um, it's 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 leaky, it's it's not functioning perfectly anymore, it's not selectively letting in certain things and not other things. Well, the immune system is lying just below the um, the gut lining, and so if any particles or toxins or microbiome come across, though your immune system is right there and it's gonna react to it. And so it reacts to all these different things. So you may react to your own microbiome, you may react to protein particles um, are broken down into peptides before their amino acids. And if those peptides come across, that's a known trigger for inflammation, autoimmunity. Um, and so are the microbiome that they're coming across is a known trigger for autoimmunity. And so what happens is back to um, food sensitivities is now that the gut is disrupted and it's not functioning properly anymore and it's got these little tiny sed like they're not really holes, but it's allowing stuff in between them, um, in between the cells. Now, um, like if you eat a strawberry, let's say, that strawberry can come across where it's not supposed to and your immune system is there and it's not gonna recognize it because it's not supposed to come across at that point in that way until it's further digested into the tiny little nutrients. And so now your body might start reacting. Your immune system is right there. And it turns out autoimmune people have um, one of the causes of autoimmune disease or one of the contributing things to it is that the gut lining becomes disrupted and the microbiome is out of balance. And so food sensitivities are very common in autoimmune people. And I certainly have plenty of myself and I see it in my patients. And so um, when we're healing people with an autoimmune disease, it's not only a plant-based diet because some of the plant-based foods can be food triggers, can be food sensitivities um, at this point. Um, now, the good news is that as the gut heals, as the microbiome reestablishes balance, the, um, the, the lining of the, of the gut wall will heal up again, and the food sensitivities usually go away. So um, that is a good thing. But when we're first healing, people will go on a plant-based diet and not necessarily get better. And they may still have these food triggers, as I call them, or um, food sensitivities. And so we have to eliminate those. And there's certain ones that are known to be a little more common, like gluten is known to be a food trigger, um, a food sensitivity when people are have an autoimmune disease. Dairy is a big one. So removing all animal products is a huge first step. But sugar um, definitely will worsen the uh, microbiome and the gut lining and worsen food sensitivity. So eating extra sugar um, uh, citrus can be for a few, you know, for some people, they might struggle with that. Sometimes a few different nuts or seeds might be a trigger. Chocolate can be a trigger for people and even like a cocoa or cacao or a dark chocolate, which can be healthy, but in an autoimmune person, it may not be. Coffee can sometimes be a trigger. Um, and so my patients are so upset if they can't ever have coffee. And I say, it doesn't mean forever. It just means you have to heal it right now and then you can try to bring it back in. So um, I work with my patients. There's no trigger. So I usually can look at what they're eating and have an idea if there is still a trigger there because um, there's certain ones that tend to be more common. Um, and then from there, we do some, um, we might do some journaling to figure it out, or we might do some food sensitivity testing. Um, and I, we have tricks to help heal it even faster. Um, and so to help heal that leaky gut, heal those food sensitivities and bring balance back to the microbiome. And then we can enjoy a whole food plant-based diet, more diverse. Well, that's very important for our audience to hear this because some people might say, oh, I went on this plant-based lifestyle and, and I didn't get well. And maybe 
they felt worse at first because of detoxification or like you said, for food triggers. So it's really important to, especially with these autoimmune diseases, to be wary of that. Now, some people have said to me, oh, I, I can't have nightshades. And I don't know if they were diagnosed that they couldn't have nightshades or that they just read that maybe nightshades could be harmful to somebody that has an autoimmune disease. Tell us what's the thing about nightshades that we really should know. So yeah, that's a great point. Um, nightshades are a group of family that contain um, a compound that um, is similar within all the nightshades. So the nightshade family of fruits and vegetables includes um, tomatoes, uh, peppers, um, white potatoes, uh, bell peppers, I said that, and eggplant, those four things. And then it also includes like goji berries, and there's a few other things in the nightshade family. Um, and so any, if someone has a reaction to that compound, there's a, there's a small link. I would, I think it's about 10%, maybe 5% um, link with people who eat nightshade uh, vegetable, and then they get joint pains. So if people come in with um, joint pain, such as rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or any of these, I don't initially always tell them about the nightshades because a lot of people don't have it. 90% of people are not going to react to those. I can eat nightshades personally, um, and I react to a lot of different foods, but um, there are a certain subset of people. So I think of it just like any other food sensitivity. There's a lot of food sensitivities out there, and some are more common than others. And so um, I have a list of things like the nightshade vegetables and a few of my common food triggers. And so uh, if people aren't getting better, they can start being mindful of these and we might take them out for two weeks and see if they notice a difference and um, and then bring it back in and see if you notice a difference. And so it's easy way to know for sure if that's a reaction. But if you're one of the 90% that don't react to it, then you want to eat them. Those are some of the most healing foods. Tomatoes and bell peppers are so high in nutrients. And so I don't want all autoimmune people to not eat those foods because they're really healthy healing foods and they should be part of a healthy diet as long as they're not one of your food triggers. Well, that's very good that you heard it from Dr. Miller because it's really important to know that. And when pe when I hear people say nightshades, I often think about that, that they're excluding things that are very helpful. Some people have, I'm trying to think of other problems that people with autoimmune can discover if they adopt the plant-based lifestyle and, and then decide that it didn't work for them. And I don't like when I hear that. I'd like to say there has to be a reason. Now, for some people, eating raw food versus eating cooked. For some people, one is better than the other. Yeah, that's a great point. So first of all, I'm an expert on um, autoimmune disease not working right away. Like I said before, I, I, when I first went plant-based, I did not get better. And I wanted to so badly. I already was imagining my life without this autoimmune disease. I was in my mind, I had already healed myself. So it was very frustrating for me when I didn't get better. So I really had to explore and I see it in my patients. So um, yes, yeah, so that's one thing. If you are on a plant-based diet, and you're not getting better please, please, please don't give up. You're on track. We just have to tweak your diet to get it to work for you. Um, as far as raw versus cooked. So raw foods have the most phytonutrients of anything. And so there's a few foods where like tomatoes, when you cook it, it activates a few more phytonutrients and it becomes more active when it's cooked. Um, but for most of them, all the B vitamins, um, C vitamin, vitamin C, um, a lot of these vitamins, they're heat soluble. So if you cook them, if you cook all of your greens and your broccoli, you're going to lose those B vitamins. You're going to lose your vitamin C. And so we have to eat them raw. That all of these phytonutrients, the anti-cancer ones, they're the most active when we eat raw. And so the raw dark leafy greens and the raw cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, especially broccoli, I think that's such a good one, broccoli sprouts, um, kale, cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, all of those um, when we eat them raw, they have the most uh, healing powers. They're the most anti-cancer, the most for melting heart disease, if we have atherosclerosis, and the most powerful for autoimmune. And there's no question. And there's all sorts of programs, and you'll see them out there. So people like Dr. Brooke Goldner, she realized the power of that. So she made her plan all, that's all people eat, are those raw greens all day, right, with some omega-3 fatty acids, the flax or chia seeds, and it works. It's powerful. Um, there's other programs out there. Ethos Farm, Dr. Furman, they're all concentrating on 
um, high amounts of raw dark leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables. And that's the hallmark of, the, of a healing diet. And then there's some differences, variances with some of the different plans. And I see them, I'm looking at all these different plans and I'm trying them all myself and I'm seeing when I feel better and when I don't. And why doesn't this plan work for me? And what's going on? How come I don't feel as good as she did when I did it? You know, so I'm looking at all of this and really and seeing it in my patients why some people get better and some people don't. And um, the bottom line is, though, if we want to heal from a chronic illness and especially autoimmune disease, because that's what we're talking about today, we have to eat the raw, dark, leafy greens and cruciferous. We've got to get them in us. So um, that is really important that they're raw. After we get a certain amount in and we're able, our bodies are able to heal and we're in a very alkaline, anti-inflammatory healing state, we have all the nutrients going to every cell in our body, nourishing us, then we can start, you know, we might be have a little room to try some other foods, but that's the most powerful medicine. Perhaps there are maybe some cases where people couldn't tolerate the fiber from the raw food, but would still benefit from the raw food. So what could they do in order to consume the raw food, but not, and maybe you could expand a little bit about what I'm talking about as far as not tolerating the fiber, at least in the beginning. That's an excellent question, Amy. You asked the best questions. Um, and so, yes, if you go from a standard American diet and then try to do this all raw diet, it's really hard in the gut. And so the microbiome is what digests the fiber. And so now you're going from like a very low fiber diet to an extremely high fiber diet and your microbiome is not prepared. And people get all sorts of gas and bloating and discomfort, irregular stools. So it can be a problem for, for people and a big transition. So if people have really severe issues, we will start them on cooked foods. I will anyway, start them on cooked foods and especially cooked vegetables. And so I do cooked vegetables and then I might blend a little raw vegetables in it. And so start easing them into the raw. And then it turns out when you blend your um, raw foods, uh, it helps digest it better. So if you cook it or you blend it first, it's easier to digest than just eating salads all day long. And the third thing is you have to chew your food really, 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 really well. Dr. Clapper always talks about this and I never fully understood it until I did. Um, that it's, if you chew it to a liquid, it doesn't have the big particles going through your gut and that really helps your gut digest it well and it helps prevent leaky gut. And it's inflammatory to have undigested particles in there. Um, and people will tell me, Dr. Miller, I see, poop, I see um, corn in my poop. I'm not digesting very well. And I say, well, number one, the first place you digest it is your teeth and your mouth. So you're, it's your responsibility to chew it till it's fully digested and then you swallow. And if you're someone like me and you eat fast or you don't have time to sit there and chew an entire salad, which can take a long time to, to chew it to a pulp, then blend it. And that's been shown to actually help um, with the digestion, with the gas, with the bloating, with the easing. So if it's really severe, start with cooking it and then you can go and especially vegetables, taking out things like beans. Beans are very high, wonderful, lovely, amazing fiber, and many people can't tolerate it at the beginning. And many people will flare to beans um, if they have an autoimmune disease. That can be a trigger food for a lot of people. So um, we don't need the beans initially, so we can do cooked vegetables, and then as quickly as we can, we start transitioning and get some raw in, because it's when we get the raw in that we really get the healing. So um, that's those are some tricks that I use. Wonderful. And there's just so many things on this spectrum of, of healing. And one of the things that I've been learning about is vitamin D and how it is just something that has not been addressed very well by physicians. I think that they came up with the recommended daily allowance when they were first talking about building strong bones and not realizing that vitamin D is really a hormone. And it's not just about bones. It really affects so many other parts of our body and maybe has some contributing factors to these autoimmune. Could you, you talk about vitamin D, what it does and so forth, and maybe your recommended level that mm -hmm. people should have that may not, may be different from the RDA. Vitamin D is essential. Thank you for bringing that up. So um, it's been shown to be really important for the immune system. We heard a little bit about vitamin D with COVID-19 because fighting bacteria and um, viruses is another part of our immune systems and um, vitamin D works integrally, integrally 
um, is an integral part of our immune system. And um, it actually has, there's receptors and it binds there. And so um, we will have a deficient immune system without it. And so uh, I tested on my autoimmune patients and a lot of them will be low initially. And mine was initially low. Um, if we're not in a latitude um, close enough to the equator, so as we get north, even up north of like Denver, people are um, having low vitamin D levels. I check it here in Colorado in in the winter time, and a lot of people are low because we're wearing sunblock or we're we're covered up, and we're not getting the sunshine. And so the level that I recommend typically is between forty and sixty. Um, somewhere between there. And most people need between 2,000 and 4,000 IUs, I found. People in California or Florida, some of those southern states, Arizona, they actually are okay. So I test those people too in, in those states and they're, they tend to, they have more likely tendency to have normal vitamin Ds than people in other states. And especially up north, the farther up north we go and away from the equator, the more vitamin D. So do pay attention. And that's one more good point is that if we're deficient in any nutrient, so we're eating this lovely whole food plant-based diet filled with these antioxidants and, and omega-3 fatty acids, um, and we're eating this wonderful, lovely diet, but if we're deficient in any nutrient for any reason, um, it's going to cause our bodies to break down. We won't get the healing that we're looking for. So uh, things like B taking B12 because we're eating plant-based, paying attention to vitamin D, you can check a level and then you know how, exactly how much you need to take. Um, so vitamin D, um, iodine, if you're not eating salt, so many people are on a salt, oil, sugar-free diet. And so if you're not eating any salt, then where's your source of iodine? So, um, whether you take it through a supplement or you do it through seaweed, um, very carefully, making sure you take the right amount to protect your thyroid because it needs that iodine. So I do pay attention to these markers and these nutrients in my patients. And then just to see their omega-3 fatty acids, some people are able to turn those flax and chia seeds and green leafy vegetables and walnuts into um, the, the longer chain omega-3s, well, into the DHA and EPA. I forget if it's longer or shorter, but they turn it into, they're able to make the omega-3s that they need appropriately, but some people aren't. So they just don't have the enzyme as well and they're not converting it quite as well. And so um, how would you know unless you check your level? So you can check a level and then you know if you need to um, take extra omega-3s in the form of flax or chia seeds, or if you need to um, take a little extra algae oil, or if you're eating extra omega-6s, maybe you're eating a lot of nuts and seeds and you can reduce that to help your balance a little bit more. And so there's all these things that affect how we heal from autoimmune. So having a simple blood test done and just taking a look at it and then you know exactly where you are and if you're on track or if you're not and especially for people not healing if you're feeling great and you're doing amazing then you may just want to check that every once in a while just to make sure yeah there's a lot to know and to have a physician that knows about not just this lifestyle but all the fineness of tweaking things is so important. And I'm so glad that we have Dr. Miller here to answer your questions. I've heard about intermittent fasting and fasting, and sometimes it seems that it has become quite the rave. And some people aren't aware that that maybe fasting could be beneficial, but it, but if they went too long it, without a physician's supervision, it could be very deleterious to their health and could probably do some damage. Where with the autoimmune do you see fasting? Fasting has been shown to be extremely beneficial for autoimmune diseases. And one of the early um, uh, promoters of fasting had rheumatoid arthritis. And the story goes that he went to um, he had so much joint pains and stiffness and he was like, I'm going to just let myself die. He was so depressed with all this and he couldn't move. And he, he decided to stop eating because he just wanted to die. And, and he did, and his joint pains went away. <laughs> so next thing you know, he was eating again. He was like, what the heck just happened here? So he learned that. And there is strong evidence that fasting helps, um, with, with autoimmune diseases of all sorts from, from rheumatoid arthritis to psoriasis, to lupus, to ulcerative colitis, to some of the gut issues um, uh, and Crohn's disease. And so all sorts of uh, autoimmune diseases respond to fasting. And just to be clear, there's different types of fasting. So there's true water fasting, which is what that story is that he just had water fasting for um, several days, however many days. I definitely recommend you do that supervised if you do it more than three days. Um, and if you are on medications, 
uh, with an autoimmune disease or you have blood pressure issues or blood sugar issues um, or you have um, any kidney issues that you don't fast without the help of a, of a physician who's knowledgeable in it because you can get yourself in trouble. And I've seen a few people get themselves in trouble with it. But otherwise, it's lovely if you want to fast for one to three days at home. Um, if that seems too long and too hard, um, then you can do intermittent fasting. And that has been all the rage lately. And the, the science is actually really good coming out that by having the longer spells of not eating, so whether you do, let's say, an eight-hour or you eat between eight-hour window and a 16-hour fast, it takes about 12 to 13 hours to digest your food. Um, and it's only after that that you might go into a little bit of a fasting mode. Why would you care about a fasting mode? It's during that fasting mode that you actually start repairing, regenerating immune cells, getting rid of the old junk, the messed up, dirty, um, broken down, um, sickly cells and start building new ones. And so you want to get rid of all this extra waste um, and not be in an overfed state, but being in healing state. And remember, we talked about that microbiome and that gut lining. Well, the gut lining actually heals when we're not eating, right? It gives it time to sort of heal itself up. So for leaky gut, I really stress to my patients to not heal uh, or not eat late at night and give it a nice long fasting window. Maybe do a 12 or a 24 hour fast. So eat breakfast, lunch, and then don't eat again till the next day lunch or breakfast, lunch, dinner, and don't eat again till the next day dinner or whatever works for you um, or even a 36 hour fast. Um, but doing these, these spells not eating allows the gut lining to heal, the microbiome starts to get into a better balance and um, the leaky gut and the food sensitivities can improve, the autoimmune systems can improve, the inflammation can go down. And um, we, uh, those of us with joint pains will recognize that we do feel better. Um, I certainly feel better if I don't eat too late at night. And um, it's a pain sometimes because I want to be social now that we're being social again, but I can't eat, I don't, I won't wake up feeling well. I might wake up stiff the next morning if I eat too late at night. Um, my body needs that time to repair. So there's different ways that you can fast but um, I'm a strong proponent of it. And I think it's really important that we eat with our circadian rhythm and that we um, are very careful to eat in this time window and give us enough time to heal. That's wonderful. And of course, just like Dr. Miller said, if you do any of this fasting at home, that it shouldn't be longer than three days and make sure that you drink water because you can't go without water for very long. It's so interesting how you've healed yourself and along the way you have learned to be very in touch with your body. And I guess maybe you've done food journals and said what you ate and how you felt. But it seems that you really have learned what the things are that trigger the joint pain for you and, and the other symptoms. And you know now after having done this for so long and probably have learned things from doing it with your patients as well. And so it's really very nice that you know these things and so that if somebody wanted to speak with you with the telemedicine that you have such expertise in this area of health and of course in many other areas as well but this is one we're talking about today so it looks like we have some questions that have popped up arthur hi arthur i have an autoimmune disease called oh uh, you're gonna have to say what that is do you believe in going vegan whole food plant-based diet would help benefit me i can't pronounce that i probably shouldn't try <laughs> Um, folliculitis decalvins. I'm not familiar ex exactly what that is, Arthur. Um, and folliculitis is um, the folliculi in your um, in your skin, I believe, like around your hair cell, your hair follicles. But I'm not sure exactly what the autoimmune disease is there. But um, what I have found is that I see people with a range of autoimmune diseases, and that there it, it almost doesn't matter what the exact autoimmune disease is. What really matters is um, what's going on with the rest of our bodies. So um, by taking this a similar um, approach where we start with healing the gut lining and getting the microbiome in balance and flooding our body with fiber, 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 um, and the healing antioxidants and micronutrients like we talked about, getting those raw vegetables in and the omega-3s, the anti-inflammatory part of it, working on our mind, body, and our stress reduction and all of that. I have seen all sorts of different autoimmune diseases that I didn't even know existed um improve so um i would be interested to read more about it specifically but um each 
um, autoimmune disease will respond to these type of treatments. And then each individual is a little bit different. So we'd have to figure out, you know, what worked for you and your body. But yes, I 100% promote a whole food plant-based diet rich in fiber and all the um, wonderful raw micronutrients. Angela, how about they make a mostly green smoothie with a bit of fruit like blueberries? Beautiful, Angela. That's perfect. So um, you want it to be predominantly the green leafy vegetables. And especially I have people who are diabetic and, you know, we're looking at their blood sugars that we're in the continuous monitors on their arms. Um, and we can see that if they do it predominantly green vegetables, which is a small amount of berries or a small amount of fruit to it and um, a little bit of omega threes in it. Um, so like flax or chia seeds, maybe some hemp seeds, um, but, but putting the omega threes in it, that um, it did not spike their blood sugar. It was not pro-inflammatory. And yes, that is a powerful healing tool. So that's wonderful. I'm glad you mentioned about the flax and chia because not everybody is familiar with that and that's so important. Gina, diagnosed with CRPS complex regional pain syndrome from a serious car accident. I have horrible nerve pain, doc prescribed opioids. Ugh. Recommendation. Gina, I'm sorry, that's a tough one. I do have some patients with Crips. Um, that I'm helping to treat, and it is a tough one. But it is, here's what I do when I am learning about new diseases, or I always go back now. Um, I didn't used to do this when I was in the ER. I was just like, how do I make someone better? But now I'm like, well, what causes this? What is this? So Crips is related to inflammation. So it's clearly an inflammatory disease that causes it to spread. Not initially, initially it's trauma, but then it's an overreactive inflammatory condition in addition to other things. Um, and because as soon as I see inflammation, well, I'm an expert at inflammation. I know how to reduce inflammation in people. And so that is by healthy whole food plant-based diet, especially a lot of raw foods in it again, and the omega-3 fatty acids. So emphasis on the flax and chia seeds and the green leafy vegetables over other nuts and seeds and really hitting that hard and um, working on stress. And you probably already know that when you're stressed out or you don't sleep, um, that you're you feel worse and that things act up or may even be spreading. And so, um, yes, an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle, like we've been talking about, it is crucial for that. And I've seen my patients get better um, with it and get worse if they follow, if they're stressed out or something's going on in their life. But um, really, really important. So good luck with you. Good luck with that. Carol, my doctor told me today that I will need Humira for RA. I guess that's rheumatoid arthritis. He mm -hmm. said, no matter which diet I follow, I will still have inflammation. What can I do? Carol, I'm sorry you're having so much inflammation. Um, it, it's hard to answer that directly, but what you can do is a whole food plant-based diet with emphasis on the raw, like we talked about, and the omega-3s, like we talked about, and avoiding food triggers. So if you know that you eat a food and you feel achy or joints or fatigue, um, to take those out initially, and to eat simply, to not overeat, to um, do some intermittent fasting where maybe you eat until 5 or 6 p.m. at night and then don't eat again until the next morning. Um, really work on your mind-body work. Make it, make it fun. Make it a game. Every day you do mind-body work. All of these are factors are pro-inflammatory. If we're eating dairy, if we're eating oil, if we're eating sugar, if we're not eating our dark, raw, leafy greens, we're not on an anti-inflammatory healing diet. And so get yourself an anti-inflammatory diet. Rheumatoid arthritis actually responds pretty darn well to diet. It's one of my favorite autoimmune diseases to treat. Lupus is a hard one. It's hard. To, it's harder for us lupus people, it feels like. Maybe it just feels that way with me. But um, but rheumatoid arthritis tends to do well. So um, really go for it. And if you need help, you can find someone to work with. I'd be happy to work with you if you're interested. Or um, you can find a doctor. There's all sorts of people, plant-based doctors now, who can help you. And um, really go for it. And some people still need a little something initially. But I found... Most people, we can get good enough that they don't need too much. And if you're not on it yet, hopefully you can get that better before you need to even start anything. Well, you're giving a lot of hope to people today, Dr. Miller. Carmen, I'm only a few weeks into this lifestyle and really like it. My stomach, not so much. Any tips what to eat to make it better? I think you kind of touched upon that a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it depends what you're eating. But if you're eating the really high fiber foods, then you want to um, reduce that. You know, be careful of things like beans, um, overeating, eating too late at night, 
um, all of that. Sometimes even fruit like apples, things like onions and garlic, those can really um, bother some people. It depends also what's going on. There's different reasons for it. So um, I recommend doing things like uh, a little more cooking food and blending it if you have to and kind of watching, start a food symptom journal and, and seeking help because there are different reasons and there's some things that might need a little treatment. Um, so seeking help. And I also want to say back to that last patient with rheumatoid arthritis and the Humira that I'm not your doctor. So your doctor knows you specifically. So there might be something going on that I don't know about. Um, so if it might be necessary at this point that you need a little something. So I definitely recommend you work with your doctor while you do the anti-inflammatory whole food plant-based diet and healing and everything you can. Um, but because I don't know you, I can't, I can't give anyone absolute advice on anything, just kind of ideas. Right. And you talked about the food journaling. So how long does it take after eating the offending food that we could possibly feel it within hours or days? I mean, how, how do we know? How long? We can feel it anywhere between within hours. Um, like a couple hours later, you might feel stiffer joints um, to about 48 hours, so two days. So that's where it gets tricky because you might say, well, I eat everything perfectly today, but maybe you ate it bad something yesterday or the day before even, and now you're feeling it. So it's about, it's usually about two days, I, I, I tell people to watch for. And you often, the food journal is so helpful for trends. So you'll see, wow, I felt great for this couple days. Why did I feel so good? What was going on in my life? What was my stress? How was I sleeping? How much exercise was I getting? What was I eating? And um, you can definitely see trends. Um, so many people feel better on vacation. Why would they feel better on vacation? They're not necessarily eating better because it's the stress, right? They're laughing more. They're feeling joyful and optimistic and they're not in the grind of everyday work. And now suddenly their autoimmune symptoms are so much better uh, or their gut issues are so much better. I hear that all the time from people. Dr. Miller, I didn't even eat as well and my stomach didn't bother me at all. And I said, well, that's a lesson that you got to work on your mindset and your mind body work. We got to do more of it. So every day is like vacation mind um, so that you feel better even when you're not on vacation. So um, food journaling, though, is, is crucial. It's really important tool that we can all use. Wow. See, these are the tweaks that we need because we don't want to fail. We want to make this lifestyle work. But there's just certain things that sometimes we need to know about that we may not know in the general sense when we discover this lifestyle. Henry wants to know, what do you eat in a day? <laughs> Great question, Henry. I love to eat. Um, so I am a foodie and I love being plant-based. That's um, been easy for me to go plant-based. But when I first went plant-based, I ate whatever plant-based, um, but whatever plant-based eaters ate. And that's when I did feel well. About five years ago, I switched to mostly raw diet. So now I'll eat some sort of raw greens or cruciferous vegetables for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it might be a green smoothie. Um, it might be a salad for breakfast. Um, I think of it as three meals and each meal is a chance to get nutrients in my body. Um, and so I might eat whatever type of raw um, salad or smoothie for breakfast. Um, I might have a little soup for breakfast. I might have oatmeal sometimes a little bit, but um, predominantly it's that. And then lunch will be a big salad, maybe with some beans, um, maybe just with some guacamole on it, um, depending how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling inflamed or stressed, I'll eat even more raw. If I'm feeling good, then I might eat some good cooked and dinner might be a, a vegetable stir fry or a bean dish or um, something like that. I love sweet potatoes. Um, I love fruit and I love sweets. So I try not to make too much plant-based sweets because I have a tendency to overeat them. So I'm a little bit careful about that, but um, that's about what I eat in a day. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. I like the sweets too. And even if they're plant-based, you still have to pace yourself. And for some people, some people can say, I'm just going to have this much. And other people can say, okay, open the doors, let's go and, and have some more. So knowing yourself, that's very important to be in, in tune me, with. And if I overeat on the sweets, then I don't get my raw greens in. And that always is what makes me feel good. So I have to eat that first. And then I could have a little bit of sweets, but I'm not good at it. If I have the sweets, I'm going to eat it first. And I just keep eating till I'm full. And then I didn't eat my greens. And the next day I wake up achy and I'm like, why did I do that? So it's about knowing ourselves, right? And a lot of my patients can do it. And it's good for them. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> right. Debbie wants to know, I have been whole food plant-based food for many years. And I eat a rainbow of foods every day. 
but it has to be cooked. I can't eat raw because my intestinal tract, I, it won't heal. I'm very strict to stay the course and don't deviate from it. Every time I think I've got it healed, it comes back again. I can't even eat raw foods as it will hurt my gut. Autoimmune disease has not been detected. I have very low inflammation, about six miles a day, and I used to live, but I can't heal. The last part of my comment was supposed to say, I eat to live. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Eat to live. Beans and greens, nuts and seeds, and rainbow veggies. We're Dr. Miller and I are both fans of Dr. Furman, and he mm -hmm. wrote a book, Eat to Live, and that's what we do. We eat to live. Yeah, so what do you great. want to if that works for you, Debbie, that's awesome. You have low inflammation. Um, that's awesome. So it's it's clearly working. I don't know what's going on with your intestines. So um, it's all about finding what works for each of us. So um, that's awesome. I think keep doing what you're doing if it's working and keep, you know, keep exploring and, and doing everything you can to be as healthy as you can. But it sounds like you're doing awesome. So good job. It sounds like maybe food journaling or, or something like that could help her tweak things if she wanted to. Boy, this time just flew by so quickly. I'm so glad that you came back, Dr. Miller. And for those of you that didn't catch the first interview that we did, you, I'll put a link to that in the notes and that you can see that. Tell us because I think that if I had an autoimmune disease or if I felt these symptoms today, I would want to know, how do I get in touch with Dr. Miller? Because she's going to help me heal. So how can people get in touch with you and what can you do for them? Thank you, Amy. I am on plantbasedtelehealth.com. And um, so you can go to that website, plantbasedtelehealth.com and um, search for me. And then you can make an appointment with me or you can message me if you have any questions. And I'm happy to see you or help you in any way that I can or direct you to someone who can help you if, if I'm not able to. Um, I'm, I'm uh, licensed in 22 states right now. So hopefully you're in one of my states and I'd be very happy to help you. If you're not licensed in their state, you have other doctors on the plant-based telehealth mm -hmm. as well. And so you've got everything covered. If you, yeah, we've all covered that. covered there. So if you can't. Yeah. And some different languages too, I think. This is telemedicine, which is our new thing now, right? We don't have to travel to see the doctor and we can just see you. What do you do it through Zoom? Is that right? Yeah, it's a it's a EMR, so electronic um, electric electronic um, medical records. And so everything is online and it's all secure, HIPAA secure. And it's it's a Zoom basically call that we do. So we can have I've had people with their mothers and the daughters or the sons or someone else, you know, different locations. And we're all together doing the doctor's visit together, asking all their questions. Um, so all sorts of fun stuff. It's been awesome. I feel like we have good relationships. I didn't know how to be because I'm a hands-on doctor. I love my patients and being with people. But I feel like I'm getting to know people and we're having true relationships. And I really enjoyed it. It's been it's been so wonderful to get to work with people. So if you haven't explored telemedicine in some capacity, check it out. And you still can order blood tests that they can have drawn at their local labs and order tests mm -hmm. if you think that that's something that they need to do. Yeah, we can do blood tests and we can order prescriptions at their local pharmacy or yep, so we can help them with that. And they can upload documents for us. Do we take out right. of insurance? We don't take insurance with plant-based telehealth, unfortunately, because we weren't getting reimbursed. But what you can do is I give my patients a super bill. And so you can submit that to your insurance. And a lot of people are getting back 50%, 75%, and some even get all of it back, depending on your insurance. So um, it's $150 for a half hour visit, but um, you do get that super bill. So you can submit that. For all the things that we spend money on that are harming us for some people who spend a lot of money on drive through and energy drinks and things like that, it's probably something that would be worthwhile if they could just have even one visit with you just mm -hmm. to try to figure out what's going on. And well, I know firsthand, I spent a lot of money as a patient on other doctors and it was worth it though because I always feel like I learned something, but it's up to each person. Um, we have free webinars through plant-based telehealth if, if there's other ways you can get help as well. So whatever works for each person, we have a newsletter and we're just trying to put as much information and help out as possible. Yeah. When you know that this lifestyle is, heals people, it must be so rewarding as a physician because a lot of times physicians aren't feeling that reward. They're just giving out medicines and procedures and never really seeing that their patients get well. So it must be very rewarding for you to see your patients improve or even reverse these autoimmune diseases. Awesome. It's the best thing ever. And I, I love watching people skip, take their power back 
and feel empowered again and taking their health back. It's been so rewarding. For well, thanks again, Dr. Miller, for being here. Stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanted to thank someone in the background, and that's Rebecca from PKA Solves, and she's been helping bringing up the questions and engineering everything in the background. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for being here. And Jess Toss from Just Toss Voice. She did the voiceovers and she did the countdown. But most of all, I want to thank you guys. I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you're going to share this broadcast with people that you think can benefit from it. Dr. Miller is here to help you and give you information. And if you want to take advantage of contacting her with the plant-based telehealth, we have the links in the show notes for you. So thank you for joining us. And please, if you can think about typing in in the comments, the be strong, be well, and be green. And we're going to see Just Toss Voice, who is coming up next. Shariza Hernandez is a 14-year-old young lady who has been vegan since birth. Her mom, Evelise Capo, is a food pharmacist who has been teaching culinary medicine and whole food plant-based nutrition for 15 years. Shariza frequently collaborates with her mom, presenting cooking classes and food demos. Join us Wednesday, July 28th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live. Well, that should be a lot of fun because if someone that age can make this food, anybody can, right? Thanks again for joining us. Until I see you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.